0: Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. Contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Friends, again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's great to see you in worship, to be together, uh, to know that wherever you're at, we are united in Jesus Christ. As we are all adapting to this new way of life and this new reality, I have been so inspired by the courage, the patience, the creativity, and most of all, the joy that I have seen. Let us keep it up. Today, we conclude our sermon series, Searching for Resurrection. We have looked at the various people who relate to Jesus in the final days of his life and seen ourselves in their reflection. Pontius Pilate. Who looks to retain his hold on power and secure his wealth rather than free an innocent man? Barabbas, who is set free and yet seems to miss the gift of grace that's set right before him. Joseph of Arimathea, who remains silent at Jesus' trial, but then boldly gives his own tomb to bury Jesus in. Peter, denying Jesus that he knows Jesus one night, and then paying the ultimate price for his friends. And last week. We discovered that Mrs. Pilate is the only person in the Bible who steps up to defend Jesus. It's a marvelous sermon by Lindsay. I encourage you to go listen to it if you didn't get a chance to last week. Well, when asked what his favorite moment in the Bible was, the musician Nick Cave pointed to Mary Magdalene, and he said this. Mary Magdalene is the most moving symbol of true and resilient love, both earthly and spiritual. She remains standing at the entrance of the tomb, the primary witness between two monumental events, the crucifixion and the resurrection. Mary Magdalene, forever standing at the mouth of the tomb, is steadfast vigil, gazing out of history, is embedded in our subconscious. She is the true icon of feminine grief, complex, elemental, patient, empathetic, and full of sorrowing wonder, and a manifestation of both physical and transcendent love the true human hero of the Christian story let us read about this woman Mary Magdalene as she goes to the tomb our reading is from John 20 verses 1 through 2 and then we'll jump forward to 11 through 18 listen for the word of the Lord early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary! And she turned and saw him and said to him in Hebrew, "Rabuni," which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, though we are separated by distance, we know we are united together in faith by your spirit. And so we ask that very spirit might speak the word that only you can speak, that you would be our teacher, that you might inspire us by this good news of Easter, this good news of resurrection. May we see through the eyes of Mary. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I love books that tell stories and of all the stories that I can read, I absolutely love stories of searching. Think of all the great searching stories there are. In Moby Dick, you have Captain Ahab going after his white whale. In On the Road, you have Jer- Jack Kerouac and his friends searching to find the meaning of life. In The Movie Goer, you have Binks Bowling searching to wake up to his life. But of all these great searching stories, there's one that outshines them all. That's right, P.D. Eastman's Are You My Mother. I love stories of searching. And Are You My Mother is probably the high point in the literature of searching. Do you know the story? A little chick hatches and falls out of its nest. Unable to fly, he goes walking in search of his mother. He asks the kitten, are you my mother? And the kitten says no, and so he has to continue his search. He asks a hen, are you my mother? She says no, he must go on searching. He asks a dog, a cow. He continues to ask other animals, are you my mother? But none of them are his mother. He must continue his search. He can't find his mother until at the very end of his search, when he is finally reunited with his mother. Once they are reunited, Reunited the little chick tells his mom of his adventures I've been told that as a child I would ask for this story to be read to me every Single day. I knew every question. I knew every word of response And as soon as one of my parents would finish with the story I'd say read it again read it again This is a great story of searching. It's a story about life It proves the point that TS Eliot once said We shall not cease from our exploration and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. To come home as if for the first time. In other words, we are all searching for something and our search will change us. And I believe we are all searching for resurrection. We experience the death of a dream. We search to dream again. We experience the death of a job. We search to work again. We experience the death of so many things. We are searching for resurrection. How are you searching for resurrection this year? Every single year for the past 2000 years, the Christian year arrives at Easter. And every year we tell the story of Easter that God has raised Jesus from the dead and prove that life triumphs over death, that God's no is wrapped in a much bigger yes. With that good news, we find what we are searching for. Every Christian year around the world, we come together and remember and retell this story. In times of war, we hear the good news of peace. In times of hunger, we hear the the good news about the bread of life. In times of poverty, we hear the good news of God's provision. In times of loneliness we hear that God is with us even in times of death we hear that in the resurrection life triumphs over death Easter is the time when we hear this again and again that no matter where we are we can find what we are searching for at Easter but maybe this Easter you feel a little like Mary did on that very first Easter Mary is sad and scared Her friend has been brutally tortured and executed by the Roman state powers. And she wonders, will they come for her, too? She's seen her dreams come crashing down all around her. She's been following Jesus from early on in his ministry. She had loved Jesus, but now he's gone. The vision for her life, the way that she thought things were going to go, have drastically changed. Her dreams have died. What to do now? She's not alone in her grief. Everyone that knew the man has seen their dreams come to an end. They thought that they knew what they were searching for. They thought Jesus was the Messiah, but now he's dead and gone. Mary is sad and scared and searching for answers. She's searching for resurrection, actually, and she doesn't even know it. I didn't think this would be such a personally poignant uh time as it has been for me over the past couple of weeks thinking about this passage. You see two weeks ago our son major came down with a non-COVID infection. We took him to the doctor and the doctor prescribed antibiotics and said to come back the next day. When we came back the next day the doctor said that the medicine wasn't working and that we needed to go immediately to the emergency room. So as we pulled up to the Children's Hospital, we're freaking out. I I ran around to to help get Courtney and and help get Major out of the car. But the parking attendant stops me and says behind his face mask, only one parent is allowed. Surprisingly, there was no conversation about which one of us would go in. And so that led to the next five days of their journey in the hospital. Courtney and I were terrified about what could happen. Tried to not let our minds go there. As she's walking up to her room, trying not to touch anything, a woman comes over to her and says, "Are you Courtney and Major? I think I go to your church." Courtney was dazed and, and and in shock, and so she didn't respond. But that woman was Trisha Patterson, who's a member here, and she texted me, and we texted back and forth. And she asked, "How could I help Courtney?" And I asked her. I said, "So, Trisha, could you take her some coffee and maybe a little breakfast?" anything would mean the world to her and every day Trisha was like an angel to us and she was awesome being the personal presence of Christ there in the hospital room see when you're at the end of your rope when you're sad and scared when your kid is sick and in the hospital and you don't know what to do and you didn't even know what you're searching for a cup of coffee can feel like a taste of resurrection even though Mary is sad and scared. She continues to search. Notice the care that John takes in telling his story. Mary comes to the place where Jesus was buried and sees the stone rolled away and the tomb is empty. She immediately assumes the most likely of all reasons, she asks, and says, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now let's be clear about two points about the ancient world. It's not like ancient people thought human uh, beings would die and then automatically bounce back to life. In fact, they probably had less of a belief in resurrection of the body than we do. The second point is women were not allowed to testify in a court of law. So it's really interesting that John would, would choose to use Mary and show her as the first witness to the resurrection. Mary Magdalene was the first Christian preacher. Mary sits on the edge of the tomb and weeps. All of her dreams have come crashing down. And then she sees the empty tomb and the angels there. The clothes are rolled up. Then a man, who she thinks is the gardener, walks up to her and says, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? This gardener asks her, Whom are you looking for? notice the irony here she doesn't even know that the man she's talking to is the one she's looking for jesus had to wake her up so she could see the answer to his question you know this is a question whom are you looking for that jesus likes to ask people in the gospels back in john one at the very beginning he asks his first two disciples what are you looking for in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asks those who come to arrest him, whom are you looking for? And here he asks Mary, whom are you looking for? I ask you this Easter morning, whom are you looking for? Mary Magdalene thinks she's talking to the gardener. She doesn't even know it's the the very person she's looking for. Many people have hypothesized, you know, why doesn't she recognize Jesus? Did she have blurry vision because of all the tears she'd been crying? Had Jesus gotten a post-resurrection haircut? Was Jesus standing maybe in the shadows? Who knows? John doesn't tell us. But Mary says to the man she thinks is the gardener, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her, "Mary." She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. She's found who she's searching for, even though she couldn't recognize him. In fact, she only realizes it's Jesus when Jesus says her name. In a certain sense, it's Jesus finds her first and wakes her up to his presence. I know your name, Mary. I'm right here. Have you heard Jesus say your name? This can happen in very different ways. It wakes you up to your life. The first book my wife ever gave me was The Moviegoer* by Walker Percy, a Southern Christian writer. We named our dog after him. The Movie Goer is set in New Orleans. It tells the story of a young man named Binks Bowling. Binks is a stockbroker who spends most of his time flirting with secretaries and going to movies. He doesn't think much about his life. But as Binks approaches his 30th birthday, he begins to reflect on his life. He looks around at other people and notices that everyone is just floating along in their lives. He wonders why people just wander through their lives not caring what really matters, living without a purpose. They are sleepwalking through life. And as Binks begins to wake up to his life, he begins to embark on what he calls the search. And my favorite line in the book is where Binks says this, the search is what anyone would undertake if he were not sunk in the everydayness of his own life. The search is what anyone would undertake if he were not sunk in the everydayness of his own life. Percy is saying that most modern people are sleepwalking through life. I don't think we're sleeping now. I believe the churches fill up at Christmas and Easter because people want to be reminded of the search that there is something bigger out there. They need to see themselves in the person of Mary Magdalene. And even though we are sad and scared just like Mary, could our our current circumstances wake us up to what we really care about and value? Maybe through this pandemic, it's the opportunity to hear Jesus say our names and wake us up to his presence. We stand with, with Mary looking into the tomb, looking over her shoulder, God is trying to to wake us up. We're asking, what has God done? If the tomb is empty, then God has the victory over sin and death. If that gardener is really Jesus, then the promises God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have come true in Jesus Christ. I've been searching. Now I've found what I'm looking for. At a time like this, Easter points us to the fact that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, death never has a final word. We are invited to live our lives in the light of Easter, in light of the resurrection. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor and a founding member of the Confessing Church during World War II. He came from a prominent family of scientists, military men, and business people. He was quite affluent from a prominent family, but gave it all up to join the resistance and participate in a plot to assassinate Hitler. When the plot was discovered, he was sent to Tagal prison as a personal prisoner of Hitler's. In in prison, he would write to his best friend, Eberhard Bethke. Those letters were collected in a book called Letters and Papers from Prison. In one letter, Bonhoeffer begins to reflect on the meaning of Easter. There he is. Sitting alone in his cell, not sure about what the future holds, worried for his family and his fiance, facing almost certain death. And he writes these words listen to them Easter, we focus more on dying than on death. How we deal with dying is more important to us than how we conquer death. Learning to deal with dying, however, does not yet mean we have learned to deal with death overcoming dying occurs within the realm of human possibilities while overcoming death means resurrection it is from the resurrection of christ that a new purifying breeze can blow into the present world even if a few people were really to believe this allowing this belief to move them in their earthly actions much would change to live from the perspective of resurrection that is easter to live from the perspective of resurrection, that is Easter. Even though we are sad and scared for so many reasons, don't stop searching. Even though our in-person relationships have died for a time, look for them to be resurrected in new technology that we didn't even know existed a month ago. Even though many dreams have died, they'll be resurrected in new dreams and in new creative ways. Even though we've seen the death of leaving our homes, let us look to resurrect the the family relationships maybe we took for granted. Let us let the purifying breeze of resurrection blow into the present world. Let us live from the perspective of Easter. On April 8, 1945, Bonhoeffer was hanged by the Gestapo. As he left his cell on his way to his execution, his last recorded words, he said to his cellmate, He said, this is the end, but for me, the beginning of life. That is the Easter message, that we might live from the perspective of Easter. Let us let the cool breeze of Easter blow into our lives. Let us live with courage and hope and love. Let us live from the perspective of resurrection. Let us live in the light of Easter. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.